Welcome to the Monday Night Bible Study Podcast, where we explore deep and we explore wide in chapters of the Bible. Which we should do now. (laughs) We We were talking to Jen's parents last night for Mother's Day, and I think between the two of us, we talked for a couple hours, I think... I don't even know if we realized we we're doing it. We did at least three or four transitions in the middle of the call. It's it pretty sweet. So proud of you guys. Hillary, welcome. Hey. We are just starting uh, praise and prayer now, so. Cool. Hey. How you doing, Hillary? Doing well? Yeah, pretty good. Okay. All right, well, uh, let's get uh, try to get moving. Like I mentioned in the message earlier today, I know the past couple of weeks, I feel like we've been kind of pushing it back like later and later and later. And I think we're all feeling Zoom. I, I saw it going around like news articles of this thing called like Zoom fatigue. And there are like all these articles about it. And I'm like, what? Like that, what? That's just stupid. They're getting bored. They need something to write about. And then I think after the past couple of weeks of doing this on Zoom, I was like, oh, maybe that is actually a thing. <laughs> it's a real thing, man. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, so I get that we're all feeling a little bit of uh, a lot of fatigue of so many things. So we'll try to keep her moving. And uh, really I, just I, I just said keep her moving. And I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> wow. What a Wisconsin at you. I know. I know, right? Uh, Yikes. Keep moving, eh? Keep moving, eh? All right. And we got a uh, a good paragraph to talk about in Romans 3. So, all right. Let's see. Week number four, right? Week number four? Yeah. Guys, we're already a month into Romans. Today is 5, 11, 20. All right. Well, let's see. Last week, Scott prayed. The week before that, Megan prayed for week two, and for week one was Brooke. So, that means any one of you are up, except for Megan. I can pray. All right, Jen. Hillary, I still think, I still think you're up for a prayer back from, like, November. <laughs> I don't think I've literally ever prayed in this group, to be honest. No, I think you have. I don't think I have. Oh, There's that one time. You know what? You're right. Because we talked about it, and then you were like, all right, next week I'll do it. And then yeah, something and then came up. Yeah, I MIA for like 12 <laughs> weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was against Brian. Yeah. Two versus Brian. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Don't secretly have that grudge. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Jen. Jen's got it tonight. All right, Casey, let's uh, start with you, shall we? Uh, praise, um, it's a good week, went home, worked from home, you couldn't ask for a better, uh, set up there, and, um, it was, that was, that was good, that was very good, and enjoyed it, good time. Um, prayer requests, probably, um, I'm looking potentially at needing a different vehicle, just with winters in Wisconsin, if I'm living up here, I need something with four wheel drive and I don't have that. So, um, Marty looking around and trying to find something with four wheel drive. So sweet. All right. Brian, let's come to you. Uh, praise. Uh, yeah, just good weekend again. 
Um, so, yeah, so again, it was my roommate's birthday, so had a few people over. Uh, so that was good, just played some games. It's nice to have uh, face-to-face communication besides my roommate, so that was good. We also, on Thursday, took a day trip to Chick-fil-A. Oh, nice. <laughs> they you know, had a real special, so went all the way down to Appleton for Chick-fil-A. Um, used my sister-in-law so I could eat mine, you know, not on the road. So I just stayed at her house and ate there. So that was good. Um, prayer, just a, a lot of people graduating in, you know, next week or so. So just prayers for those, those people graduating and, you know, hopefully they can, you know, get some sort of celebration out of it and, and, uh, you know, hopefully move on to their next stage in life. Um, I know a few people personally and I'm sure we all do. So just, just prayers for those. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. I forgot my sister. Is actually graduating. I should definitely mention that. <laughs> yeah, likewise. Yep. And she's actually going to physically graduate too. They're going over into Indiana because they're near the border because Indiana's open. Uh-huh. And so they're going to graduate them there and then come back into Illinois. Um, oh, wow. it's, like the it's whole school? Point. Yes, the whole school. <laughs> they can do that. Which is, so it's just a high school then. Yeah, it's just a high school, and it's small. It's super small, like small private school. They've only got like maybe 10 or 12. So oh the maximum people that they would have would be like 150. But still, it's it's pretty it's pretty great. Um, bold. <laughs> yeah. Bold move, Cotton. That's great. <laughs> All right, G-Man, for you. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I guess I praise I, I really enjoyed um mother's day yesterday just time with family um i'm not exactly sure what it was uh, maybe i'm just in my ripe old age appreciating new things from <laughs> the days of my youth I don't, I don't know exactly but um there was just something about it like it was just really pleasant and it could be the conditions too of like there were live people there yeah <laughs> possibly hey don't forget um, as, as pastor brown preached on s- yesterday John the Baptist, he was 30 when he was doing his ministry. Jesus was 30. You know, you got, you got your best days ahead. But 40, that's, that's what that's... <laughs> make, make it a good 10 years. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think that was just a really, really special time. Good. Um, uh, and prayer... Um, uh, I guess I'll just say, like, I've been having some uh, back issues for close to a week um nothing super severe but just consistent every day and it's just you know just uh cumbersome and challenging at times so just that i figure out a good method of treatment for that Mm -hmm. jen think probably similar just it was good to be able to interact with both sides of the family yesterday even just virtually and to kind of get to see the kiddos a little bit and so just thankful for opportunities to like continue with connections even via distance and so thankful for that and then um I just continue to pray for my brother Ryan he's he finished up the 
they did the immunotherapy for the new tumor that was in his neck, um, and that's feeling better, but he's got another really large tumor that's surfaced now on his thigh, and so it's it just seems like it's kind of like one thing after another for him. Um, yeah. So um, I guess just wisdom for doctors to know how much to go after stuff as far as just keeping things comfortable for him and yeah sure hopefully once things open up he has a chance to enjoy some stuff but and then just for us to be able to have opportunity to spend some time with him yeah for sure okay <coughs> megan for you um <clears throat> praise i would probably say yesterday um mother's day as well i think our so our church was able to do a almost like a Mother's Day, like, drive-by, pick up your gift, um, which was super fun to be able to see people, and then we, and then we just got some good time, like, um, all the pastors were there, and their wives were there, and we, mm. like, I haven't seen some of them for a long time, so, so it was just really nice to have that time together, um, again, and really be able to kind of just celebrate what God is doing, so, um, and then prayer, I would just say, um, I've just been fighting, um, the past week or so, just a lot of anxiousness, um, just with health. So, um, so I would just, yeah, just pray for, for health and pray for, um, just that I would trust God with tomorrow and that I would cherish today. I think it's really what I've been praying. Okay. Hillary. Um, I'll follow the Mother's Day trend for <laughs> praying. Um, yeah, it was a good weekend. I was able to go home and see my mom and grandma. So spent a lot of family time. That was really nice. Where do they live again? Wisconsin Rapids. That's right. Yeah. Um. And then prayer um, would actually be for someone else. So my um, boyfriend's neighbor, his wife had a stroke a couple years ago, and he's been taking care of her like full time for the past couple years. And he's probably like in his, they're both in their fifties, but he just um, put her into hospice care like a few mm -hmm. days ago. And I know he's having a really hard time and um, he comes mm -hmm. over a lot. So we've had quite a few conversations with him and, um, you just tell he's really struggling and I don't think he's a believer and I've been feeling really convicted to share the gospel with him, but have like okay. totally chickened out both mm -hmm. times that I feel like I could have brought it up. So, um, kind of a double prayer for me to just have, you know, courage and have the right timing to share that with him and that he mm -hmm. would be open to hearing it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then also to just prayer for comfort for him and his wife. Mm -hmm. And then for me, praise. Yeah, it was a good weekend. So Friday, Garrett and Jen helped us rip off some paneling and <laughs> drop ceiling in Shania's old room. So we're cruising along with that. Now I gotta scrape all the paint off, or at least a good chunk of it. But so it's fun. Wants to help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so everybody wants to come scrape <clears throat> scrape paint off a wall. <laughs> if you're that desperate. What'd you say, Brian? Governor, Governor Ebers says I can't. 
All right, all right, well. Cool. <laughs> so anyways, it was like, so that was good. Kind of getting, getting to hang out with, with uh, Garrett and Jen for that and getting that stuff done. And then Saturday was super relaxing. And then, yeah, Mother's Day, getting to kind of have families pull up and kind of see them for a little bit as we gave them a little flour and chocolate bar was... Like, it was just really good to kind of be with them and see them. and So, yeah, it was good. It was a good, relaxing weekend. And then prayer, just endurance. I feel like I'm still up and down, kind of pinballing between, like, everything's okay. And then I'm having a mental breakdown. And then I'm really upset and frustrated and annoyed and everything is stupid. <laughs> and then, like, no, everything's fine. And so a lot of it is just kind of being steady and having self-control to not just pinball back and forth everywhere. So just keep praying for endurance and resting in God's grace. And that, okay, and I think that's it. So I'm not sure if uh, Bugs, Ruth, or Shania are going to jump on or not, but. Okay, Jen, why don't you pray for us, and then we'll dive into Romans 3. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for your goodness to us in so many ways and um, just for <clears throat> sunshine and um, just enjoyable days to be outside. And um, we thank you for how good you are to us. And um, everybody here has just been able to mention so many, so many ways that you've just been gracious to us even this last week. And so we thank you for that, God. Um, thank you that Casey was able to go back home and um, be able to see family, especially um, this time of year and around the holidays. Um, God, we thank you that um, she was just able to see family, but also still able to continue working there. And just we thank you for technology and just for it working. And um, we're thankful that you you work in all those details. And um, I think of a sister as she's graduating and just um, some of the logistical challenges to making that happen. God, we're thankful that she'll be able to celebrate. Um, but we just pray for your uh, guidance there and um, that that you would just guide her next steps and um, just even be with them as they travel as well. And um, we think of Casey as he's starting to search for a, another vehicle option. God, um, we're thankful that um, you've brought him through this winter, but we know that um, before we know it, it'll be um, road conditions where it's something that would maybe handle a little bit better in the snow will be here again. And so we just pray that you just give him patience and um, wisdom as he searches for a vehicle, God. We know that um, that you know what is best for him. And so um, we just pray that you would um, lead him to uh, a situation that would be um, just what you have for him there. And uh, we thank you for Brian's weekend and the opportunities that even with, with quarantine going on, he was able to um, just interact with some people and have a little taste of normalcy. God, I thank you for those, those opportunities, um, whether it's having people over for, for parties, um, for birthdays, or even just little mini road trips and um, opportunities to see family. God, we're, we're thankful for that. And um, as, as Brian and Casey both mentioned, so many people that are, are graduating and and obviously disappointment with not being able to celebrate as per maybe expected um and also just trying to figure out what the next steps are going to be and um we know that these times aren't aren't certain and um maybe things that seemed sure 
six months ago aren't sure. Um, but we know that you're still sure and you're still certain. And so I just pray for graduates that they would look to you um, and and place their, their hope and their next steps in the hands of someone who isn't changing with ebb and flow and pandemic, but someone who's steady God. Um, we thank you for for Mother's Day that we were able to celebrate yesterday and just um, for Gary and I to be able to spend time with, with family, both virtually and um, even being able to see um, the hang-ins. And um, we're thankful for just the sweetness that even the circumstances that we find ourselves in, um, not being able to, to see people as often, God. And um, we thank you that you use even those things to cause us to be more thankful and so um, we're just thankful for those those sweet opportunities and um, we know that that they come from you and so um, also as Garrett's just trying to figure out um, solutions for kind of ongoing back discomfort God we we thank you that um, that you are in control of that and just pray that you just give him um, patience with that and um, just help him to be able to find a, a solution that would um, ease some of that, especially as life's maybe picking back up here a little bit with work and things like that. So, um, God, we, we pray for Ryan and, um, we, we pray for all of these, these continual physical, um, things that keep popping up with this cancer, God. Um, we thank you that he was able to have some relief from some of the radiation that he's had, but God, we just pray that you would um, continue to give the doctors wisdom, but just use these circumstances to soften him, to, um, show him that you care for him and that you love him um, and just just work in his heart, God, as, as you alone can. And we thank you for, um, for the, the Mother's Day um, drive-up opportunities that Bay City was able to do. And we thank you that because of that, Megan was able to catch up with some people at church, even just briefly, God. And um, we are created to... Um, just function within community God. And, and this is, um, these times are, are challenging. And so we're thankful for the the grace that you extend and in allowing, um, her to be able to see people at church yesterday, God, and, um, just for your goodness in that. And we pray for her as she continues to just walk through, um, through challenging, um, times with health God. And, um, we know that, that you're in control and that, that you hold today and tomorrow and, and all the tomorrows thereafter. And um, we just pray that, that you would give her a peace and um, grace to just trust you more and to be thankful for what you've given in the present God and, and know that you are capable of, of um, handling tomorrow. And so um, we just pray that you would be with her in that. And we thank you that Hiller was able to go home and, and to see family, especially with Mother's Day. God, it's, um, such a sweet time to be able to be there and be together and so we're thankful for that and um, we also think of her her boyfriend's neighbor's uh, neighbor and, and his wife who who had a, a stroke and God we're thankful for um, this neighbor's faithfulness and just caring for his wife over these years um, but um, as he as he deals with the struggle of her being hospice now God I don't know um, if that hinders his ability to be with her or not, but God, I pray that you would just give him comfort and, um, be with, be with his wife as well. And, um, just be with, with hospice, um, staff as they, they care for her. And I just pray that you would, um, just give comfort there, um, 
God, if, if he doesn't know you, I, I pray that you would just give um, Hillary courage and opportunity and the right words to speak, to share the good news with him um, and to, to um, be able to, to share the gospel with him. God, we thank you for her desire in that. And we just um, pray for, for opportunities for that for her. And we thank you that Aaron was able to have um, a good weekend, just um, interacting with, with people in, in different ways and um, just for opportunity to, to relax a little bit and to rest and um, even to see more um, faith family than, than normal during this time. And so we're thankful for your provision in that God. And um, as, as this time continues um, apart from how we would desire to be together in God, I pray that you would just, um, just give him um, the steadiness and, and self-control just continue to rest in you, God, and to um, endure these, these restrictions uh, for the time that you have. And um, God, we, we know that you are, not out of control of this and um so we we trust these circumstances and the timing of this to you god and we we thank you for his desire to um to shepherd and to um be together with faith family and um we just pray that as um as he waits on on the timing of that to be um coming to fruition god i just pray that you would just give him give him patience and and grace during that time and be with us the rest this evening god um as we dig into Romans three and just, um, just reveal us what you have for us in your word, God. And we thank you that you've, you've given us your word to, to learn more about you and to grow in. And I thank you for this time, God. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jen. All right, let's go to Romans chapter three. Hillary and Casey, did you guys uh, listen to chapter two by any chance? If not, that's fine. I'm just curious. No, I didn't have a chance to. Yeah, I was just curious. Casey, uh, let's see. Romans. Casey, did you listen to chapter two, the recording, by any chance? Uh, no, I, I, I wish I had, but I did not. Okay. Um, no, any high-level points to uh, take away from? <laughs> sure. Well, we'll do a quick review, but uh, depending on if, if everybody had listened to it, then we wouldn't do maybe as much of a review. But uh, probably just to kind of set the context for going into chapter three. Uh, so Romans uh, 1, 1 through 15, Paul's just intro kind of his greeting, kind of who he is, what he what he's up to. Verses 16 and 17 of chapter 1 are the thesis of the book. And then from 118 all the way through 320 is one chunk of argument of Paul walking through the first part of the gospel. So the big point of that is just Paul laying out that uh, all humanity is under sin and deserves God's wrath. So chapter one, the end was kind of all humanity in general, those that are maybe not Jewish or not in uh, in God's God's people, so to speak. 
And then in chapter two, the thought's like, well, of course, that's how people out there, the unreligious and the pagans would be. But surely God's going to be different towards us. And then Paul says, nope, not at all. Whether you sin with the law or you sin without the law, you're still sinning and you still deserve God's wrath. So chapter two is basically Paul saying that whether you are a Jew or religious or you have the law, you have circumcision, uh, that doesn't matter because when you stand before God, uh, it's not your religion that's going to save you. It's whether or not you were in Christ and had faith in Jesus. So that's where chapter two ended. And then he'll continue that in chapter three until he uh, comes to the, the good news. So that's where we find ourselves in chapter three then. So let's do uh, two verses like we normally do, two verses, and we'll go in the same order, which was, let me make sure I get the right order. So we will, Casey, I think you were first. So Casey, to Brian, to G-Man, to Jen, to Megan, to Hillary, and then to me, and then back to Casey. So remember who you're after? Two verses, Romans 3, here we go. Verse 1. So what, then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. Brian, he's muted. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try that again. Uh, <laughs> what if some were unfaithful? Will their infidelity nullify the fidelity of God? Of course not. God must be true through every human being. Uh, though every human being is a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and conquer when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us. I speak in a human way, by no means, for then how could God judge the world? But if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one is truly wise, no one is seeking God. All have turned away, all have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Viper's venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they know not. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. 
for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By one of works? No. On the contrary, by a law of faith. For we conclude that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Are we then annulling the law by this faith? Of course not. On the contrary, we are supporting the law. All right, there's chapter 3. All right, well, as we go through, uh, just a big part of Romans and understanding Romans is uh, kind of what people call tracing the argument. So as we break down each verse, and we kind of did this a lot last week too, but especially seeing how every word that Paul uses, the, the fors, the, the ands, the therefores, kind of how verses connect and following that flow will kind of help us with where he's going. So let's take uh, one through eight then, shall we? Questions, comments, thoughts, confusions, clarifications? Unfaithfulness in verse uh, 3, referring to the law. Any thoughts? Oh, um, the question I had was... if in verse 3, did unfaithfulness refer to the law, like the Old Testament law? It's more of a confirmation question than a anything else, because I don't remember if that was what that means. Any thoughts on that? makes sense um especially with the end of verse two they were entrusted with the oracles of god i mean that's assuming oracles means law but it's probably i'd say i think that would fit into it and maybe even just an unfaithfulness in general. 
like the the Old Testament prophets called them out for being unfaithful. I mean, he compared it to a, a marriage that Israel was not faithful to God, and so I think the law is certainly part of that. Hey, what else on uh one through eight? And probably as a reminder, too, in verse 1, when he says, What advantage has the Jew, or what is the benefit of circumcision? Because at the end, the last paragraph of chapter 2, Paul calls out that <laughs> physical circumcision is not about, uh, that's not where salvation lies, but it's actually in being circumcised in the heart. And being a true Jew, the true people of God aren't those who have a mark in their flesh, but are those that have the Holy Spirit circumcise their hearts. Which makes sense. And I think Brian even brought that up last week of, so then kind of what's, what, what was the whole point? And that's what Paul addresses. So what's the benefit of circumcision then? <laughs> Any thoughts on one through eight? Any questions to get us going here? I mean, I feel like that he just puts it in such great wordage. I don't, I just, but yet at the same time, for me as a reader of it, I'm like, all right, I think that's what he's meaning when he says all this and he throws it all together. It's just trying to like cipher through sure. the language and my version and like break it down even more simply put i just like it this is what this means into not into discussion but just this is what this means and so okay well what is uh let's get going okay so verse one what advantage what's the benefit of being a jew verse two there's a whole lot of benefit <laughs> first yeah <laughs> and he goes on but it's funny the rest of the chapter he says first, and then he never can. He never finishes it. Where's first? Uh, mine says first. How, how does yours? Where? In verse two, much in every way. Uh, oh, begin yeah, with. to begin with. It's to just be, to begin with. Sure, yeah. to begin with, but he never finishes it. <laughs> yeah, that's the part that's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Where, where's the three bullet points in the sermon here? You know. He'll pick it back up in chapter five, but it takes him a little bit. He goes off in a little. Divine rabbit trail. Divine rabbit Okay, so then uh, what does it mean to be entrusted with the uh, oracles or very words of God? Like, why is that the first thing that Paul mentions of the benefit of... Why is that a benefit? Or an advantage of being a Jew? 
me and you closely, most closely know what the very thoughts of God are or what the very yeah. being of God is mm-hmm. where but all the other cultures have, you know, worship cattle and stones. They actually have the, you know, the word of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I can see that as a kind of a one as a, yeah, it's a great, yeah, great honor to have, but at the same time, that's a huge responsibility as a, mm-hmm. a nation. Right. Yeah, I think it's really well put, Brian. I like how you put that. Does it go back to chapter two at all? The oracles of God? Or just them being entrusted with the oracles of God? Because wasn't that a lot of his argument of like, the Jews are judged by the law because they had the law? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know if that continues into this thought, but... Sure. Well, I, I, probably the main question is then, how then, how does having God's word make, how is that a benefit or an advantage? And I think what Brian mentioned is is a big part of it, of realizing, like, especially for most of us, like most of us have grown up in Christian or religious homes, and we kind of take it for granted that we hear, even in America, like we hear the Bible, but I mean, think about being a Gentile in Paul's day or in Daniel's day. And like, there is no, there is no God's word. There is no Bible. You don't, I like how Brian put it. Like you don't know the very being that created everything. Like nothing. How does verse four connect with all of this? Like, what does he like? How does that fit in one through eight? <clears throat> yeah, it's a good question. Where's that uh, that quote then in four coming from to kind of kick mm-hmm. that discussion off? Is that a Psalms quote, or is that a like a prophet quote there? Yeah, yeah, Casey, I think you got it first. Mine is quoting Psalm fifty-one. Yeah, mine seems to be two different Psalms that is kind of referencing. Oh, okay. Fifty-one and one eleven. Cool. One sixteen. Okay. I think Psalm fifty. I think Psalm fifty one is super helpful to maybe fill in some of the uh, what Paul's trying to upload. So, what's the context of Psalm fifty one? Anybody remember? That's David writing after. Yeah. It's sitting with Bathsheba, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So after Nathan <laughs> shows up. And says, and pronounces God's word of judgment on David. So you have Nathan showing up, thus says God, here's God's word and it's judgment. 
on David for his sin. And then Paul quotes from that psalm. A psalm of God bringing judgment on sin. So then the argument would be something like um, God is faithful even when you're not, right? And then, mm -hmm. like, God be true even though everyone's a liar. Like, like he, he's true even when you're not true. As it's written, here's what David said after he sinned. The guy who was supposed to be so righteous. Right? Yeah. I think so. Like, even David is confessing, like, God, you are just, you do what is right. Mm -hmm. Even when you judge sin, you are a righteous God. Huh. And chapters 1 through 3 are all about God's righteous judgment on sin. Anything else on uh, one through eight? Anything on like five through eight, kind of that new section, everybody feel like feel like we kind of get what Paul's getting at? I'm still trying to just even break that down. Okay. All right, well, let's do that then. So what's Paul trying to do in uh, five through eight then? Anybody want to break it down? We'll take a stab at five. Um, if, basically, if, if our, you know, if our wickedness proves that God is righteous, um, what do we say next? <laughs> it's kind of how I'm reading that. God is, oh, he, I guess he's calling into question, is God uh, unrighteous to inflict uh, wrath on us? If by us sinning, this is just a way to show God's righteousness. So why is he, why is he punishing us for inadvertently showing God's righteousness? Casey, I think you nailed it. I think that's kind of the backwards because he mentions I'm. Uh, how does how do your guys' translations say it? I'm speaking in a human way, or I'm using a human example. Hillary, how does yeah. yours how does yours put it, Hillary? This says this is merely a human point of view. Okay, Brian, what does yours say? Humanly speaking. Okay. So most likely what Paul's saying there is, I mean, how long has he been preaching the gospel? A long time. So he's heard all the arguments. He's heard all the responses. He's heard all of the counter arguments. So I think that's what he's getting at of some might say this because I hear it all the time. <laughs> I hear I'm speaking in a human way. What I hear humans 
and other people say all the time. Well, Paul, if God is holy and righteous to judge our righteousness or our unrighteousness, then, ha ha, God's being evil for punishing us, for glorifying him because you, it's, Paul's like, no, 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 you're being dumb. <laughs> Yeah, it just makes my brain hurt thinking thinking through that. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. <laughs> yeah, part of me is just like, why can't it be plain? But I know that God doesn't work that way. It's not plain. And there's so much more that can be said based off of that. Just foundation statement. Yeah. But I just find myself wishing... Why isn't this in plain English? It is, but it sure. isn't. <laughs> well, Casey, the way you you broke it down, I thought I think is is really what he's getting at. Of if the right thing, does God do what is right? And yeah, God loves to do what is right. Is it right for God to punish me for my sin? Yes, it is. So therefore, isn't it, shouldn't God be happy with me if I do more sin so that he can be more right? And therefore, he gets glory because he says, look at me, I'm doing what's right, and therefore he gets more glory. So therefore, my sinning glorifies God. Yeah. He like covers all the bases here. So, so that's so that's the logic he's he's refuting, right? That yeah. The more sin, the more glory God gets. Yes, because he's, re he's refuting that, right? He's ref yes, yep. Okay. Yep. Because and then verse six. Uh, how do you guys respond in verse six? By no means. By no means. Mine says absolutely not. Hillary, how does yours do the response in verse six? Um, of course not. Of course not. Brian, what does yours say? Of course not. Of course not. Okay. So that Paul likes this response. Uh, that phrase. ESV says by no means, uh, NLT, I guess, and Brian say of course not, uh, King James says God forbid, <laughs> but uh, it's the strongest way to say no in Greek, so there's no stronger way to say like no, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> there's no stronger way. So that's how Paul feels. My sinning brings glory to God, so therefore I should keep on sinning because that's what's good. Paul can't say anything stronger against that. So isn't that like what the whole of five through seven's getting at then? 
not just verse five, that the truth is expanded upon in verse six and seven. And it seems like, or is that like just five? Just five is what Paul's refuting, and then verse eight is a different. No, verse seven. I'm processing. <laughs> can we can we break down what what's the point of the question in verse six, or is this just a rhetorical question, saying basically saying no, or or I, I'm kind of just confused. What's what's up with that question? Like it didn't really make mention. Yeah, I'm just confused by that question. Verse six. Okay. That's not the only thing I can That's just one. Um, <laughs> no, that's okay. My, um, my Bible and Greek professor who taught Romans, he said that Romans 3, 1 through 8 is like an optical illusion. <laughs> he said the longer you look at it, the more confusing it gets. <laughs> so... Like, I try to, like, read the question and then try to find an answer and only find more questions. And it's just... <laughs> yep, you're, uh, that's... It's like, don't, <laughs> don't ask the questions if you're going to answer them. Yep, no, it's true. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah, here's my notes from him. This section is a little bit of an optical illusion. <laughs> So there you go. So it, it's a tough one, and it, it might still leave us scratching our heads a little bit. So we'll maybe give it a few more minutes. Otherwise, uh, we might just have to move on to the next next passage. But Okay, so let's do that. Brian's question, what's with the question of verse 6? Any thoughts on that? So is it just kind of like taking the next step from the whole, the whole like question of like, well, wouldn't... Wouldn't that make God unrighteous if he was going to, like, inflict wrath on us? Like, if if God's credible to judge the world, if somehow he was made unrighteous through this weird, like, continue sinning so that my righteousness is contrasted thing, he wouldn't be the credible judge of the world? Is that... Yeah, I, I think some of that falls in there. I don't I don't really know like fully what what he's getting at either. Like how will God judge the world? Just in my brain it's, it's like it, in the verse before he's going down a path and then it seems like he shifts gears and goes to a different kind of thought in 6 and I'm just trying to connect dots and it, it's kind of leaving me scratching here. Sure. Well, I think in my version, it just says, um, uh, let's see. Well, he's talking about how, like, the argument that people have, um, like, our sinfulness serves a good purpose for it helps people see how righteous God is. Isn't it unfair, then, for him to punish us? So then he, like, the people are asking that question, and then I feel like he's answering it, at least the way it's worded in mine, is just, he says, if God were not entirely fair how would he be qualified to judge the world? So I think it's like in response to people 
having that argument of like, well, that's unfair that he's punishing us. And then he's coming back to argue that God has to be entirely fair. Otherwise, yeah. he okay. is the judge. I think the way yours put it helped help me kind of yeah. wrap my brain around it a little bit more. Likewise. Yeah, I think that was helpful. Yeah, that was good, Hillary. Thanks. Okay, anything else on 5 through 8? Otherwise, we'll go into the kind of 9 through 20. I'm sure there probably is stuff from 5 through 8, but... <laughs> All right, well, let's move into 9 through 20 then. Let's, let's walk through this. That way we can have plenty of time to cover the end of chapter 3. Okay, 9 through 20. Thoughts, questions on 9 through 20? I don't necessarily understand how when he ends verse eight, like how that flows into verse nine, because I don't get how that whole paragraph, like five through eight has what that has to do with Jews being better than others. I just feel like that's, he like all of a sudden jump, completely jumps um, topics. So I don't know. Yeah. It starts off verse nine with saying in mind saying well then so it seems like that's like a phrase that's reiterating like what you said before that so it just seems kind of confusing i don't know maybe i'm just reading it wrong no i think that's good yeah any thoughts of kind of how verse nine fits into the flow Is it kind of like going back to like the original question of is it better to be a a Jew or not? Is is that kind of his well then a transition or is that just the way I'm taking it? I would think so. It seems like that's the main line of like you have this kind of this line of are we Jews any like what advantage has the Jew much in every way? They've been given the oracles of God. Let's make sure God is righteous and he doesn't, we don't blame him. Okay, now, what then? Are we better off because we have the oracles of God? And then he continues on. I think that's how it flows. I think he probably feels like he's, a, he's probably preached the gospel enough that he knows the common objections that people are going to bring up. So he feels the need to address it and then come back to, all right, well then, are Jews better off because we are Jews? So I think that's how it flows. I don't know any uh, any other comments on that, or if that makes sense. I feel like it's taken a while. Like I'm a sponge, but I finally got eight <laughs> and, and under, understand like where its place is in with that. And it, it yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Like I think five and five through eight are kind of that nice little package here's the argument i'm refuting this argument otherwise their convert their condemnation is very just because they have every right to ask that question as any rational human being would um and then i think he does circle back to like verse th chapter three verse one it's just it's really confusing if you're not like diving into it <laughs> uh-huh yeah i mean like <laughs> That's why, like, you can, like, do a map and try to trace how everything works, and uh, which can be helpful. Otherwise, you can get lost. So, all right, 9 through 20. Thoughts, questions, comments? 
the way I look at this, um, can you break this down? Like nine is this the statement of are they better off? Jews better off than than anybody else? And obviously no. And then basically enumerates basically why no one is better off in verses uh, eleven through eighteen. Or is there another reason that's in there? Like, is the significance of what he's quoting also worthy of noting in yeah. verses 11 through 18? Sure, that's really good. Any thoughts on that? I do think it is an interesting aspect of usually when we think of sharing the gospel and when we share verses with people, if we're sharing the gospel with them, we normally go to the New Testament and yet Paul is able to explain the full gospel entirely from the Old Testament. This looks like a Old Testament theology of depravity of man right here. Yeah, because he brings out, I mean, how many different verses does he pull from? And he just makes them into like one. <laughs> it's like a shepherd's pie of Old Testament depravity verses. <laughs> <laughs> I find it funny that I don't think Paul would hold up to any modern like MLA format of citation at all. <laughs> he would he would fail. And that just brings me so much satisfaction. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right, so any uh any thoughts let's suss out the all the verses that he quotes in 10 through 18. Any thoughts or observations on them? Do you notice the different uh, physical attributes being traced through the verses? Like the different body parts are you, are you talking about? Yeah. So I see the eyes, feet, lips. Why do you think that's significant? Um, maybe to answer Megan's question is 
I don't know. I'm seeing maybe like a culmination here at the very end in verse 18 when it says there is no fear of fear of God before their eyes. Um, that seems like a heart issue, right? <laughs> it sounds like what he said back in chapter one of failing to honor God. Any other thoughts? Like, why do you think Paul would pull out verses that cover so many different body parts in a passage all about sin? I mean, maybe he's trying to draw similarities between the the Greek and Jew. Just a thought. Showing them so. that both of you have throats, both of you have lips, both of you have yeah. feet, and both of you, you know, are like vipers. But I should say both of us, it should, we are, as in Jew and Greek. Yeah. Uh, just a, again a thought mm-hmm. yeah I don't think I've ever thought of that yeah I think that works I think it's a big part of it because whether you're Jew or Greek or slave or free or rich or poor <laughs> you have a throat, you have a tongue you have lips <laughs> I wonder if it kind of shows like the totality of depravity too, like, like literally every part of you is depraved, like. And then I really like that tied in with Brian's comment too, like whether you're a Jew or you're a Greek, mm-hmm. like there's nothing in you that could ever, like literally no part of you that's righteous. Yeah, I think that that's the intentionality behind calling out all the different parts of a, of a human. So you, it's Paul's, it seems like Paul's emphasizing that every human is completely given to sin and every part of every human is completely given to sin. And I think Casey also nailed it too, that I don't think it's accidental that Paul would put no fear of God as the last culmination. Because if you don't fear God, then you'll do whatever you want with the rest of your body. I feel like that would be a, like a definite like punch to the gut if you're a, a Jew. Mm-hmm. That, you know... You don't fear God. Yeah. Whereas the Greek, you might be indifferent to him saying that. Mm-hmm. I feel like a Jew, if you're, if you're, you know, trying to uh, follow, you know, all the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the mosaic laws, you're doing all these things and somebody tells you that, you know, you have no fear. Mm-hmm. It could be like a punch to your, you know, mm-hmm. a punch to the gut. Yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think you're spot on. 
And then we're reminded too that it's not, it's not the religious things that we do or go through, but like that doesn't cover our sin. We need something more. Okay, anything else on all the verses in 10 through 18? Other thoughts or observations or comments or questions? Or even 19 through 20 as well? What, uh, what is every mouth maybe stopped? I don't remember what other versions said there on that one. Verse nineteen, kind of middle of the middle of the verse. Yeah, good. So nineteen and twenty. How do those fit? What's Paul getting at? Is it? So I mean, if if anyone wanted to open their mouth and say, well, I'm not guilty and I, I'm not accountable to this. Is, is it just kind of his, his way of penning that, that like you don't have a case? Like we, we've just read these verses and we're all culpable. On our own, we don't have a case, I should say. It seems like it. I think that seems to be Paul's building. Like, he's been building for almost two chapters now. It's interesting to hear him say, through the law comes knowledge of sin. Like... I feel like that's almost like the climax of this whole argument to mm -hmm. say like you guys thought that the law was doing this for you and you thought that the you know that you were so great because you were obeying the law and like no one is righteous everyone's gonna be held accountable and then like the law was actually meant to point out your sin so <laughs> mm -hmm. you are you have totally failed yeah that's good All right, anything else on 19 and 20? Otherwise, we'll pivot into 21. Okay. 21 through 26. Martin Luther said that Romans 3, 21 through 26 is, quote, the chief point and the central place of this whole epistle. Yea, of the whole Bible. <laughs> so that's what Martin Luther thought about Romans 3, 21 through 26. It was the chief point of the whole Bible. <laughs> so let's look at the chief point of the whole Bible according to Martin Luther. 21 through 26? There's a 
very extreme man. <laughs> <laughs> Luther was a very, very passionate German man. Yes. <laughs> but it's, I mean, are, are, are we familiar with Romans 3, 20, 21 through 26? Or maybe ask, like, what is our, our exposure to Romans 3, 21 through 26? Is it just like we know a few verses from it or people talk about it as being important or anything like that? Do we have any exposure, any thoughts on that? Like why would Luther call this passage the high, the central point of the whole Bible? I feel like for me it was just a verse, like a set of verses I had to memorize for evangelism and that was it. Okay. Like, so I, I don't feel like it's been put properly in context for me. Yeah, right? Like, we probably all know, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God, we probably all memorized that as a kid. Any other, like, any other, or even if, like, really no exposure to Romans 3, 21 through 26? Anything else on that? I'm just kind of curious what everyone... I certainly don't feel like I had any, or a whole lot of presentation of that type of magnitude of this paragraph. Yeah, it's just uh, 23 and the rest of it was kind of nothing. Okay. No, no real exposure. Yeah. I guess when I've heard it preached on before, it's been sort of the, like, like you get through these first three chapters and then it's like this <laughs> but God moment. Okay. And this tonal shift of, like, yeah. we are hopeless. We don't have a case. But. Yeah. Enter Christ. Sure. Yeah, and, and that's certainly, I mean, the flow of it, that certainly fits. And then you have 21 to 26. This, this passage stands out because there's no other paragraph like it in the Bible. Like other parts of the Bible talk about forgiveness and justification, but nowhere else in the Bible has this dense and rich uh, theology and gospel truths so packed into one paragraph. So there really is no other paragraph <laughs> like this one in the whole Bible. So with that, let's suss it out, shall we? 21 to 26. Thoughts, questions, comments? Um, a lot of processing. I'm encountering the same sort of thing in the you know first part of the chapter now. Mm-hmm. Just trying to <laughs> sift it <laughs> sift through this so just uh just to be clear when he says uh now the righteousness of god has been manifested apart from the law is he saying that jesus was the manifestation that was apart from the law is that what i'm understanding correctly or no yes i see what you're getting at yeah any thoughts on that I had never thought of it that way. I just thought, I, I don't even know what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, when was the last time we saw the righteousness of God being revealed? I think we've read that before. Romans 1. I think so. Can you read that? How does that go? 
I think it's in 16 and 17, isn't it? Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed. I mean, it talks about God himself kind of being revealed through creation, right? I thought there was the right... Jen, what is 16 oh, and... Oh, yeah, 17. So... Okay, okay. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So verse 16, you have, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And then in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. So yeah, I, I would, and obviously the gospel is about what Jesus has done. So, Brian, I think you're right. Jesus and who he is and what he's done reveals and manifests God's righteousness. All right, what else? In verse 25, kind of like the end of verse 25, um, mine words it as, the sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. What does that mean? Like, is that uh, yes. like in Old Testament or is that people who like already died before Jesus? Like, what does that mean? Totally. No, that's super good. Okay, so 25. Uh, otherwise, you could have... Uh, so mine puts it... Uh, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice in his blood received through faith to demonstrate God's righteousness because in his restraint or forbearance, God passed over the sins previously committed. Yeah, okay, so a, a good setup. A, that's a great question of what uh, that Hillary asks. So what is verse 25 getting at? So we can kind of tee it up with this. The most, the most important question for a religion to answer is how can God forgive sinners and still be righteous? How can, a, how can a God forgive sinners and still be righteous? Because if you just, if a God just lets sinners run free, then he hasn't dealt with sin. And therefore, that would be an unrighteous God, an unrighteous being. Because righteous beings have to deal with sin. So if Paul is claiming that God is righteous, he always does what is right, how can David, Abraham, Noah, Moses, how can they sin and yet not be condemned? Like that was, th that was thousands of years ago. So did Adam and Eve and Abel and Noah and Abraham, they sinned and yet God forgave them 
So what happened to their sin? Did God just sweep it under the rug? Has God dealt with it? So then the question comes, how can God forgive the sins of David and Abraham? How could he do that? That's what 25 is getting at. Does the idea of like the credit and the debit apply here? Like, I think, yeah. Like sins still getting paid for. It's not that like those sins got swept under the rug and other sins don't, mm -hmm. but it's just covered by something in the future. I think so. Yeah. seems like that phrase also seems to be teetering on uh, a question that's been, you know, through the whole, you know, age of the, you know, whole world of just how can a good God allow, you know, evil in the world? Yeah. Kind of seems it's just a, another, another uh, manifestation of that question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How can, yeah. how can a just God, not, I guess, you know, yeah, be, do justice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that's an important question of God has to deal with sin, and so how did he do that? Does that, does that make sense, Hillary? Do you feel like that answers your question? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, what else on 21 to 26? in the Bible he says like you're justified by his grace as a gift in 24 yeah or is that like a new concept I don't know you guys think of any gift Like maybe other Old Testament stories or backdrops, mm -hmm. or is Paul kind of, is he creating new shelf space here? <clears throat> or is he building off of something else? Yeah, I guess really just the base of that question is why is he saying gift? Well, I guess, what is a gift? 
looking and I just looked up the word gift and it's it seems like it's most often used in terms of sacrifice. Okay, kind of giving their like, gifts. Yeah, gift for a burnt offering. Okay. I don't know if that would be the same. Maybe. Well, I think that's helpful. So, like, how would you define, like, what's a gift? How do you define a gift? Something that you don't have to repay. Yeah. Yeah. But someone has to pay for it. Someone has to pay for it, but... Yeah. I, not the receiver of said gift. Yeah, I'm literally... My brain is, is thinking through the what Megan said about like an exchange of a sacrifice and an offering of sorts because in one sense, yeah, it was an exchange. Our unrighteousness for Christ's righteousness... On, yeah. Well, actually, yeah, and that. So then, Casey, picking up on that, of if a lot of gift languages use as the Israelite giving a gift of sacrifice up to God, you almost have the reversal of that in Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of the whole point of Jesus coming is to reverse all of that. Yeah. So now he's the one working for our salvation and he's the one sacrificing and... Mm-hmm. And yeah, I used to have that the problem saying like works. Like there is someone who does a work in this thing. It's just not us. It's, it's Christ. Mm-hmm. And yep. sometimes I even forget about that. It's all faith. It's all faith. But that's on your end. There is someone that does work. Like, it is an exchange of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. And we even, don't have to pay. Yeah. And, and like Brian said, too, of like somebody buys the gifts and yet the other person gets it free. And so the, the righteousness, the salvation that is, is no cost to us cost God a lot. Mm-hmm. Which is incredible in light of 11 through 18 yeah it seems to me too that a sacrifice and a gift kind of go hand in hand yeah Mm -hmm. whereas one person would receive the gift while the other person has to sacrifice to give the gift Mm -hmm. whereas if you were trading you're getting a benefit from it So it kind of seems like they're like not antithesis to each other, but like you need one. Somebody needs a sacrifice in order to give a gift. gift. That's really good. I haven't thought of it like that. I like how you put that. Yeah. And I think Paul laid that out in in one through chapters one through three that we don't have, we don't have anything to give. (laughs) We don't, I mean, as Jen said, we don't have a case. We don't have any, all right, God, I'll give you this if you give me this. Like, we have no bargaining. We have nothing to bargain with. We have nothing to trade with. We have no... Uh, what's the economical term? We have no possessions, no... Value. Value. Don't 
can bring any value to the table, basically. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't think of what it is, but we get the point. <laughs> we bring nothing besides our sin. Yeah. And yet we're still given the gift freely. That's really good. Yeah, this is jumping way ahead. It makes me think of the Romans 6, the wages of sin is death or the free gift of God mm -hmm. is eternal life. Like, if we got what we earned, yeah, it's mm -hmm. death. But mm -hmm. there's this gift that we are not owed. Yeah. Yep. It's just interesting to think about that the the phraseology here. He didn't mention mention it was a trade. It's a gift. Um, a, interesting thought. He, like Aaron, you already mentioned it. A trade has the idea of it's like you benefit. It's equal equal benefit. Yeah. Um, it's like a deal basically. Yeah. Yeah. God doesn't make deals. <laughs> He gives gifts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good case. I, I like how you... I, I'm glad you brought that out. That's good. What does your guys' translation say for verse 25? God presented Jesus as a what? Sacrifice. Expiation? Expiation? Expiation. Pitiation. <laughs> Propitiation. Hillary, what does yours say? Just a sacrifice? Yeah. Okay. So what is the... So uh, Brian says expiation. ESV says propitiation. So what is a propitiation? What is Paul... What is he thinking of in, in verse 25 there? way of better how she her version of the bible puts it it's the sacrifice it's the payment it's the what you had to what you had to get in order to give the gift yeah and so that word uh the word behind it is is kind of where we get so propitiation but it's the the same word used to describe uh the mercy seat in the tabernacle where in, so in the tabernacle, you had the Holy of Holies, which was the, the private Holy of Holies place where God's presence dwelt. And once a year, the high priest would enter and would throw blood on the mercy seat in order to cover the sins of Israel for that year. And every year, the high priest would go in, sprinkle blood on the mercy seat, same word here. And do that every single year to cover the sins of Israel. So in verse 25, when Paul says God presented him as an, you could literally say as a mercy seat. It's the same word. Except it wasn't, the true mercy seat was not a beautiful ark made of gold. It was a wooden tree on a hill in public shame. Okay, what else on 21 to 26?
Maybe there's still a few more things we can pull out. Yeah, and Paul will pick up on some of that in 9 through 11. But it seems as well that even, even I think, I wonder if we miss some of the point of Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because then he follows it up with, like, I don't know if he's pointing out that everybody is sinful as much as, the equal the the equality <laughs> the equality of all have sinned and all are justified freely so i think he's putting those together of everybody is equally sinful and they are equally justified by faith in jesus christ there's no distinction whether you're Jew or Greek, slave or free, smart or not smart, everybody gets righteousness the same way. sinning and falling short of God's glory different or is he just kind of saying two things in one it's a good question any thoughts on that separation that we are ongoing and dealing with yeah I think it's good what does the word redemption mean let's suss that out a little bit it's another good word in here verse 24 yeah
I mean, I, I would. It seems like redeem kind of seems similar to kind of the gift idea. Um, somebody who doesn't deserve. How do I want to say this? Receiving a gift not necessarily deserved from another from another it would seem kind of the idea of redemption or somebody else redeem I guess you can redeem yourself, can't you? Alright, I take back my statement. My footnote connects the idea of redemption to, like, paying a ransom for a slave's release. Like, okay. paying the, the price to purchase someone free. Yeah, I think that fits. Because the, the main word used to describe when God led Israel out of Exodus when they were enslaved, the main word is redemption. That's what God calls it. When he leads Israel out of Exodus, he calls it redemption. So there does seem to be, I mean, like Brian was saying, kind of that, that gift that one person has to do in order to give it to another. But redemption also takes on, like Jen mentioned, that there's a cost, that you are buying something back. Okay, anything else on 21 through 26? Otherwise, we will end with the last uh, 27 through the end. Any other thoughts or comments or observations on 21 through 26? Okay, let's wrap up with the last paragraph, 27 to the end. through verse 30 and what kind of the distinction between Jew and Gentile why is there being a distinction being made between the two on this verse sure so what's Paul getting at in verse 30 29 might help us a little bit with that too is the reason to go off of 29 is the reason 
um, Paul writes, is God the God of the Jews only is because of verse 28? Like quasi-refuting um, that righteousness is a part of, is based off of works. Yeah, I can see that. Other thoughts on 29 and 30, what Paul's getting at? I read that as he's just kind of like summing up because he started by talking about the advantage of being a Jew. And I mean, throughout the whole thing, he kind of like goes back and forth between like, we all fall short, but we all can be within right standing with God. So I think, is it, is he just kind of summing it up again, like hitting home his point of that God isn't just the God of the Jews. Like he's also God of the Gentiles. Yeah, it would, it would certainly seem like that. I mean, his whole point is, yeah, that it's not it's not your ethnicity, it's not the family you're born into. It's whether or not you are in Jesus by faith and faith alone, not by the law you follow, not by the works you do, not by the church you're involved in, not by how religious you are. <clears throat> It's faith and faith alone. That's what determines God's people. Let me clarify my question too. Um, so I guess the biggest distinction, at least in mine, it says, for God is one and will justify the circumcised on the basis of faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So what's the distinction between on oh. the basis of faith and through faith? Oh, so it seems okay. Like he's making the distinction between the, the Jew and the the non-Jew. Gotcha. Or he's talking about the circumcised of heart at this point. Gotcha. Okay, that that makes more sense. I see what you're getting at. Yeah. What does the original text <clears throat> say? Because I know mine has two different. So what body organ is he talking about <laughs> in, this, in this phrase? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're different. So. Uh, for God, God will justify the circumcised by, uh, ek means out of or by, so by faith, and then he will justify the uncircumcised, uh, through, which is dia, so through faith. So they're two different. I don't know, though, if that really matters. Let me see what he says from faith. I'm curious, actually. Notice the circumcised of the Jews are are justified by faith. And then, obviously, in, in 4, we're going to read about... I have a footnote off to this... Not a footnote, just a little side note off to the side that says, Abraham, justified by faith. So is chapter 4 enumerating how Old Testament believers are justified by faith? And then uncircumcised, so us, is through faith. That's our gospel story of by God's grace through our faith that we are, quote-unquote, saved or come to a saving knowledge of Christ. I guess my question is, is chapter 4 or just a proof text of the statement 
in verse 30. Yeah, any other thoughts on those? Yeah, Brian, in relation to yours, I I would have to think more, but I don't think there's any difference between the two different prepositions. You would think that Paul, just for sake of, <laughs> he would have kept it the same, but by faith, through faith. Unless you could, unless you could like go back and count every time Paul either says by faith or he says through faith, <laughs> and see if there's a pattern that maybe we just don't know about. Mine does have a, a slight note, but I'm still trying to figure out what it means. What so it says, it? so this says, so for verse thirty or twenty-seven through thirty-one, people cannot boast on their own holiness since it's God's free gift, both to the Jew who practices circumcision out of faith and to the Gentile who accepts faith without the old Testament religious culture symbolized by circumcision. So, I don't know if that really answers my question or not. Yeah, I'm not sure. At least without doing a lot of study into it, I would think it's just, I think they're both equal. So whether you're a Jew or whether you're not a Jew, it's still... It's, it's uh, interesting to note that in Hebrews 11, talking about the Hall of Faith, where he lists several people in the Old Testament, and it's Eve, every single one of them is saying, by faith Moses, by faith people crossed the Red Sea on the dry land, and the Egyptians were behind them. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place that he was to receive the inheritance. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. There's several mentions of that. I, I re- that's really yeah. intriguing to me. Hmm. Compared to like through faith, which we see commonplace now in a New yeah. Testament and post New Testament era of you know how do we come to a saving knowledge of christ it's by grace through faith i don't know if it's any substantial difference but it's it's definitely worth pointing out yeah interesting yeah and those are good questions i think that's a great question to bring up that brian brought up because i think in other like ephesians chapter 2 paul i think says through faith there as well so it seems like the bible uses both so maybe i would maybe my response would be the point is not so much the preposition as it is the faith <laughs> is maybe the, the main point that Paul's getting at. But I could be wrong. There might be something there if somebody wants to do a, uh, a study on <laughs> by well, and through. <laughs> where, where my brain's going with this is like by faith, Old Testament. So this is like faith in action. But I don't know. I haven't thought much beyond that. Like... Yeah, I haven't thought much beyond that. Sure. I mean, I'm trying to remember who quite the audience is of this. I mean, if he's writing to the Jews, they they have that, like, again, that self, shelf space of kind of that, um, that by faith versus kind of through faith. So I don't know if he's trying to say that 
you know, you don't, the Gentiles are just as worthy or unworthy for salvation. If however you want to, you know, yeah. look at it. Yep. Um, because you know, all of us fall short. Mm-hmm. So yours, you know, you, you got circumcised by faith in God, but you know, through faith, since they, you know, they haven't been circumcised, they they still receive salvation. Because I'm sure this is kind of the the kind of button heads of Jews and Gentiles who are starting to kind of both become Christians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And the Roman Church had both. It was comprised of Jews and Greeks, uh, Jews and Gentiles. So. I think Paul's trying to make sure that the foundation is nothing else but faith. All right, anything else? Otherwise, probably about time to wrap up. Any other final things on 27 through the end? Can we really quickly talk about um, 31? Um, there's the, the last line in mine is worded, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. I guess I'm having a little bit of a hard time wrapping my head around what exactly that means. Like, how do we fulfill the law by having faith if the law is like works, I guess? I don't know. Sure. No, that's really good. Thoughts on that? What does Paul mean by fulfilling or upholding the law? I think at least what I I get from it is that it's not about doing doing what you're told, but knowing, maybe not so much knowing, but doing the kind of the underlying rule that's kind of there, I guess, is a rough way to say it. Um, and you, you need faith. <sighs> so hard to try to comprehend some of these things. <laughs> no, they're good. Meaning like you won't, you won't really obey the law unless you have faith in God. You, if if you have no faith, you're you're doing, you know, I guess take it take it as a you know a, a child versus you know an adult. You you tell your child, don't cross the street. They don't cross the street because they're told, but you're really not doing it because you don't you don't know the ramifications of crossing the street. Whereas when you kind of grow up, you can cross the street, but you know why you shouldn't, you know, just go, you know, without looking or, you, you know, what, I guess what the underlying idea is behind it. You kind of need that faith of, sorry, am I, am I no, trying I, to no, still I, rep all of them? No, I, I hear you. I, I think that's what you're getting at. Meaning like, if you have faith in God, and you're trusting him, you're going to trust that he knows what's best for us when he gives us the law, and therefore we should follow that? Kind yeah, of? sort of. And sort I, of? Feel, I feel like if you don't have faith in God, you're just doing the law to do the law. Okay. Yeah, I can see some of that. He kind of made a similar comment back in verse 21, at the end of 21, which I think... I think he might come back to, it might be what, 31. Uh, that also could be what he's getting at. 
Any thoughts on maybe how the end of 21 might might give some thoughts on 31? the law reflects um, God's righteousness why would we uh, defame or violate a symbol of God's righteousness okay yeah I mean God's righteousness has been, has been a big part of has been a big part of this Any other thoughts on 31? Or the end of 21 as well? Well, the end of 21 says, uh, the righteousness of God has been revealed. Uh, the law and the prophets attested to it or bore witness to it. So, which is shorthand for the Old Testament. So, the Old Testament law, all that, bears witness to God's righteousness. Mm hmm. And then in the end, he says, we uphold the law or we fulfill the law through faith. So how are you connecting those? I wonder if Paul is trying to say, we're, we're fulfilling the law because the law was never meant to be the end. The law was an arrow. And faith it has always pointed towards faith in Jesus Christ and him alone and God's righteousness being freely given. So we're not, Paul is not making something up that contradicts the Old Testament, but the gospel actually is the climax of the Old Testament and what the law has been pointing to the whole time. I wonder if that's what he's getting at. We're not. He's not saying like, ah, oh, the law was just a sham this whole time. Where he might be saying, no, like, we fulfill. This is where the law's been moving this whole time. So therefore, it's actually fulfilled. And Hebrews pulls that out too, where it's talking about, you know, it's always been my faith. Like, and now, now we have a better covenant, covenant, a new covenant that is inaugurated by faith. Um, mm -hmm. Even though, like Abraham was led by faith, and that's how he was saved. So, so I don't know if I would ever say that the law was apart from faith, but the true keepers of the law had faith, kind of like Brian was pointing out. Mm -hmm.
Which would make sense in the chapter four, he's going to prove that the Old Testament supports the gospel. And everything that Paul is saying, he's going to prove it from the Old Testament in the life of Abraham. To prove that he still upholds what the law was all about to begin with. And then later on, uh, we'll see, like as Brian was pointing out, that's a huge part of it. Of It's only then that you can actually obey God's law is through faith in Jesus Christ. That that's the way to truly fulfill the law. Which he'll come back, like that's a huge point in Romans 8. That it's only Christians who can actually obey God's law. Yeah, so that was a, that's an important point that Brian brought out that Paul will come back to. Hillary, do you feel like that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right, guys, well, why don't we wrap it up there? It's been a good long time in Romans 3. And the uh, the chief point of the whole <laughs> the whole Bible can certainly not be mastered in half an hour. <laughs> we got our whole lives to do it. That was definitely more than half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least in twenty one to twenty six. But all right, well, let's go into some takeaways then, shall we? Casey, let's kick it off with you. Take away from tonight. Um, really tracing, <laughs> tracing the arguments in verses like five through eight. Um, that was like a <laughs> cloudy mystical ball. <laughs> I don't know how, to, how to read that? Um, and I just appreciated uh, us taking a taking a second to kind of put the brakes on and and go through that and really see what is actually being said here and i appreciate that about this group and uh, that's my main takeaway out of so many more that i could list but i awesome megan for you um yeah i mean i think similar to casey too of just being able to trace some of the argument and see things that i've never seen before and ask things that i never asked before but um but I think especially seeing um, 21 through the end in light of not being righteous just kind of blows my mind that, I don't know, that God would give us a gift even though I hated him and was pushing against him. Yeah. Brian, for you? Um... My brain hurts more than in uh, Genesis. <laughs> um, other than that, ten through ten through eighteen was kind of a a nice little, uh, very poetic kind of, you know, couple of verses that kind of you know it. I just like how it, he uh, tied it all together. So, awesome. So, uh, cool. G man for you. Um, you may want me to go last. I don't know. <clears throat> so we'll be part two of the podcast because I have things. <laughs> doesn't doesn't everybody's things? Okay, then I'll go last because I have no, okay. I have I have three takeaways. Seriously. All right, we'll go for it. 
I think I just lost him. Oh, hang on. Oh. No, did I lose it? I think it might have deleted itself. Are you on your phone? Somebody else go. I put notes so that I could remember them. On your phone? Yes. Shake your phone. What about my phone? Shake it, and then an undo thing will come up. What is? What did you say? He said, "Shake your phone, and an undo thing will come up." Why would Why would that happen? Nothing well, happened. If you deleted it, then it would come up. But <laughs> hmm. I have no takeaways tonight. <laughs> All right. Well, Jen, why don't you go, and we'll uh, so Gary can pull up his takeaways. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I just echo what Megan said. That section of. F21 through 26 was just humbling and awe-inspiring to think that that when we don't have a case at all, God would still send his son to, to ransom us. Um, and then just like 26 kind of tying it together that, that like he would still be just but also like the justifier. So mm -hmm. just seeing the law fulfilled. Um, but, but still a, an opportunity for grace. Yeah. Hillary for you. Um, kind of what everybody said. Um, my head does kind of hurt after this. I still feel like I have to like wrap my mind around a lot of this. Um, but yeah, but I think especially like 24 through 26, I guess is just a good reminder. And it's just, I don't know, once in a while, like when I'm, you know, reading and I get to like a summary of the gospel, I truly feel that like few moments where it's like, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of relief, like, <laughs> yeah. thank God that that's what God did for us, you know? So yep. I definitely felt that love that sense of like appreciation yeah or like deep appreciation tonight reading through that so yeah awesome yeah then 27 where where is our boasting where is our pride it's cast away g-man you find your takeaways yet yeah i got back um, <laughs> unfortunately for anyone else um <clears throat> I, th I think i'll go relatively quick but every time i say that it doesn't um there were definitely a few mental flat tires, um, but <laughs> <laughs> a couple of verses in particular just that is the best everything place. everything blue, um, but uh, ten through eighteen, um, I think that particular passage, um, maybe at least just speaking from my own personal experience, but maybe it's the imagery or familiarity with it, um, I. I think, or maybe just like kind of older language, something that I affect. Um, I don't know if, like, I almost would like to see a modern day um, translation of it, um, simply because it, in my mind, the first thing that kind of came um, as a result of that passage was just thinking that apart from Christ, uh, that is my default factory setting. And so when I kind of looked through that, through that kind of lens, um, actually made that pop a lot more than it normally does. So I really liked that. Um, gift, I thought that was a, a really good discussion. Um, and then something that kind of occurred to me with regards to gift is that, um, it was kind of mentioned a little bit, the recipient um, doesn't deserve that gift, which I think makes that word choice all the more impactful. 
and the giver is not obligated to present um, that particular gift. And so just kind of like thinking those thoughts through and we talked about sacrifice a little bit. Um, here's where I might get a little off the rails, but I think, I think it's, I think it's on somewhere. Um, I was just thinking how like Christ is our ultimate sacrifice and he's our sacrifice once for all. Um, he puts an end to that sacrificial system, pays our debt. Um, and when made me think of old Testament sacrifices, it made me think like those ultimately really are insufficient because those that were offering sacrifices in the old Testament, um, they had to offer those sacrifices because they were obligated to because of sin. Christ, what makes him the perfect sacrifice is that there was no obligation on his part or on God's part to sacrifice himself on the cross. So just kind of playing with that gift and sacrifice um, imagery and unpacking those words was really, really fun and um, just a blessing, I guess. Um, boy, <laughs> divine forbearance, that might take a little while. Um, <laughs> I'll, try to do it, I'll try to do it really fast. So I was thinking initially, like, what is sin? And then I was kind of finding it as, well, it's a violation of God's standard. Um, God's standard is righteousness. Therefore, it would be hypocritical or against his character of perfection. Um, if he didn't, uh, if he did not punish unrighteousness. So kind of like wrestling through that, um, because sin is a violation of God's standard. He alone, um, can delay the judgment of it. He doesn't absolve it, but he can delay it. Um, and then sin is ultimately punished by the death of Christ. So kind of actually applying that to student loans right now, because they're also in forbearance. So kind of tying those together, I was like, so there's this debt that I owe and it will have to be paid, but there has been a decree of forbearance. So um, I am given extra time to pay that debt, but it will have to be paid. So in a, in a quirky way, kind of <laughs> upload that into this idea of divine forbearance and how That's really because good. sin violates God's standard, he alone can delay the punishment of that but he still has to punish it because otherwise he would be violating his character. So if anybody's still awake now, um, just some thoughts that were going through my mind during our discussion tonight. So I really appreciated it. Garrett, I forgot how much I love studying Romans with you. <laughs> now, you can just, now we can just get all those thoughts when we're in those passages. We'll be good. <laughs> well, I, I, I missed my moments multiple times. So I just kind of just let the conversation go. Just kept divine forbearing until now. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And for me, probably Jen's comment on like not having a case, just being humbled in that and being reminded like that I don't have anything. When I come before God, I accept my sin. And then as Garrett said too, our discussion on gift and, uh, and Brian talking about that was really good too of, of something that the giver uh, has to buy and is a cost to the giver, but is free to the one receiving it. So kind of those two things together were big ones for me. And Hillary, it's 858. <laughs> Told you we get to you up before nine <laughs> with a minute to spare, but, uh, we still did it. And, uh, we also did what we always do. We explored deep and we explored wide in this chapter, including the chief point of the whole Bible, according to Martin Luther. And Lord willing, we'll do it again next week. And Lord willing, we will not be on Zoom for much longer. So I'll close this in prayer. 
Father, we thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the gospel, for the good news that even though we were dead in our sins and unrighteous and our throats were full of evil and cursings and there was no fear of you in our eyes, that you uh, sent Jesus to live and die to be the mercy seat where blood was shed in order to wash away our sins. God, thank you that we don't have to work for it or earn it, but we are given it freely as a gift. God, may we never, ever get over, over this good news. We help us to live uh, centered on this good news. So thank you for tonight. Father, may we be quick and ready to share this good news with those around us. So thank you for tonight. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.